Locked on NFL back again. Brian Peacock here alongside, as always, the scout Matt Williamson. We're taking you around the league daily here on the Locked On Podcast Network, the number one daily sports podcast network. You can find the show and all of your favorite podcast apps. We always appreciate those ratings and reviews. You can find me on Twitter at BD Peacock. You can find Matt at Williamson NFL. Matt, it's been super fun seeing these Spotify. I don't know if you're a Spotify user, but the the folks that do use Spotify, there's the Spotify wrapped, and we've been seeing a lot of people uh, retweeting and sending us screenshots of uh, their podcast listenership for the year and a lot of locked on podcasts in there, locked a lot of locked on NFL. So that's been really cool to see. Oh, very cool. I, I didn't notice that. I am a iTunes guy. And I was going to call out the uh, the practice squad tackling dummies, our listeners here. You guys need to get out there and do a little more ratings and reviews on iTunes. But it sounds like <laughs> things are going well on the Spotify front. I like that. Yes, absolutely. They don't have the rating and reviews on the Spotify, but they have the wrapped, which is cool. And it shows it breaks down everything you've done for the year podcast listener wise. Um, Coach of the year. power rate. We're growing fast, by the way. I mean, oh, absolutely. I looked at the download numbers just the other day and they're they're rising pretty nicely. So. Great to have all you new people and spread the word. Yes, welcome to all the new folks, and we do have new listeners all the time. Uh, we've got to talk Monday Night Football, of course. Sure. Um, there's the Coach of the Year power rankings that we teased last week that we've got to get into this week, either today or tomorrow, depending on when we have time there. Uh, maybe some Coach Watch firings could, will continue to happen Usually Tuesdays when that happens, right? And I haven't seen anybody get fired today, so uh, maybe next week we'll have another coach get fired. We'll see. But um, it's the season, right? Exactly. NFL 100. We're going to talk with Ross Jackson of Locked On Saints this week. We'll have some other hosts on and, and get into some deep topics with teams around the league. But Matt, let's start with Monday Night Football: Eagles over the Giants, 23-17, and a comeback overtime win. Anything to take away for you for this game? Because the Eagles right now are tied with the Cowboys for first place in the East. That's the amazing thing. I mean, watching that game, I'm sitting there thinking, boy, the Eagles are, are they're not going to, yeah. well, the first half, I'm like, boy, Dallas is going to get a gift and go to the, go to the playoffs. And wow, do they not deserve it? And boy, is this Eagles offense hard to watch. I mean, it's slow anyway, and then they lost Lane Johnson, who amazingly his stat the the win losses with and without Lane Johnson for the Eagles are kind of remarkable. And then Alshon pulls up lame, you know, early on too, and it was like, who's going to catch the ball here besides the tight ends? And I give Boston Scott credit. I thought he stood up pretty well and got better as the game went on. And and Zach Ertz had some big plays and. I thought Wentz kind of sucked it up and put the team on his back a little bit against the not-so-great team. But, you know, watching the Giants, they have some guys, too. I mean, you know, like Golden and Zimenez are, aren't awful off the edge. And what if you threw Chase Young in that mix? You know, like I'm thinking big picture. Or Darius Slayton had a really big day. Mm-hmm. Um, he's a fixture, I think, going forward. And... Barkley, I think, is a little healthier now than he was a couple weeks ago and showing some signs of life. So, you know, Dexter Lawrence, just looking at some of the young giants and kind of ignored the old one behind center. The wide receiver it's nuts. conversation there is interesting. Slayton just showing up as a fifth-round rookie, and Alshon Jeffrey, we still don't know what is going on there. Maybe he played his last down as a Philadelphia Eagle. Who knows? He said he heard a pop 
in his leg. Uh, we're still awaiting the MRI. I haven't seen any official news on what that injury is, but potentially season ending for Alshon Jeffrey, who, oh man, he's just looked very slow this season. It wasn't the fastest yeah. guy ever. He's sort of a, a rebounder type of a player, which which really played for a long time in the NFL. We'll see if, if uh, he's able to come back from this one, and it might not be with the Eagles. But I think it's interesting with someone like Slayton, who's completely outplaying someone drafted in front of him at wide receiver in J.J. Arcega-Whiteside for the Eagles, because the Eagles have needed wide receivers, and we're seeing... Rookie wide receivers step up all around the league. J.J. Arcega-Whiteside was drafted in front of a lot of them, and he's got eight catches on the year. And even with the volume and the need for him to play for Philly, he still had two catches last night. Just has not really developed into the guy I think they hoped they were drafting in the second round. It's a good point. He did make a nice catch kind of over his shoulder, contorting his body. And you mentioned Alshon as a rebounder. I like that description. I think that's what Ortega Whiteside is, too. You know, he was a touchdown machine at the college level. He's not a sudden burst out of your brakes guy. He's more of a contested catch, go up and get it type of guy. And I'm not saying he's a bust or anything. It's just not what the Eagles need. You know, they need speed. Like, they would kill for Slayton right now. <laughs> you know, I mean, yeah. they, they're just, they look like a bunch of tight ends out there. And Slayton looks electric and uh, a nice little rapport already with Eli Manning. We haven't even talked about Eli Manning much. I think we should talk a little bit about that. But uh, Slayton right now is fourth in the NFL among rookie wide receivers in yards with 659 now. He's behind DK Metcalf, A.J. Brown, Terry McLaurin. Debo Samuel is fifth. Marquise Brown is up there. Miko Hardman, Noah Fant. Your guy, uh, Deontay Johnson, who I really like. Those are the top nine or so. Uh, receivers as rookies this year, and most of those guys went well after J.J. Arcega-Whiteside. The, the ones I'm looking at, Terry McLaurin, especially D.K. Metcalf, who a lot of people had high, and I understand we talked a lot about D.K., how he was maybe, you know, uh, some people thought he would be a, a high first-rounder. I understand teams passing on him in the first. I was blown away. He fell all the way to 64, and yeah. uh, his fall ended when the, or the, the Seahawks traded up for him, but the Eagles drafted... J.J. Arcega-Whiteside before Metcalf, um, that one's the one that really is glaring to me. And uh, right now, that's just not looking good. So I just want to talk about some of these rookie wide receivers, how well some of them are playing. Some of these guys are on pace to to have a 1,000-yard receiving rookie seasons, which isn't all that uh, – It's not, that doesn't happen all that often. Somewhat rare to have this many rookie wide receivers playing this well. J.J. Arcega-Whiteside not doing it for the Eagles. Yeah, great point. And, boy, I mean, they would trade Arcega-Whiteside for – DK Metcalf in a heartbeat right now. I mean, just that vertical threat that Metcalf provides. I know he doesn't change directions well, but he's big and he's fast, and Seattle's using him quite well. Um, you're right, though. I mean, it's – I'm not sure – to me here, – here's my analysis of that group is, to me, A.J. Brown now stands alone as my favorite. And if any of them are going to be a star, I would bet on Brown. I think the rest of the group is highly productive, highly impressive – quantity over quality is because there's so many of them. I think a lot of them are really good players. I don't know that any of them besides Brown will be a star, but collectively it's an exceptional group because there's so many. I actually want to get to more on this rookie wide receiver situation. Can we talk about Eli Manning for a second and his return playing quarterback? He jumped out of the gate and I thought, okay, Eli Manning, 
let's see it. Let's see it. And the hit Slayton for a couple touchdowns, and it kind of fell apart for the Giants in the second half. But um, Eli Manning, what what do you do there with Eli Manning? Does he have more football in him? Do you can you see Eli Manning playing in another uniform? Does he just stick around and back up Daniel Jones next year? <laughs> I don't know. I mean, he's expensive. <laughs> I mean, he's making starter money. Um, he, he, I agree with you. I thought he came out hot, played well. I thought the the Giants had more energy than the Eagles. I'm sure a lot of it was let's one one for the old man, you know. And it was pretty public knowledge that he had a 500 winning percentage before that game, and now he's one under. And I'm sure all the Hall of Fame detractors will be like, well, he's got a losing record. Well, by one game, by one game. But still, I mean, I don't think he's a Hall of Famer, but I think he'll get in. Totally different story. What did we see from him in 2020? I hope he hangs it up. I mean, to be honest with you, I think he's been a subpar player now for three years or so, you know, that he had got more leash than he should have originally with the Giants, and I'm not defending my buddy Ben McAdoo. I don't know if you know that, but him and I ga together at Pitt. But oh, wow. he benched he, he benched Eli for Geno Smith, and that was the right <laughs> call. I mean, back that's when Geno or that's when Eli needed benching. He was not a starting quarterback caliber player at that point, and I can't believe that he is all of a sudden now. I could maybe see the Jags moving on from their head coach, giving Tom Coughlin total control, and maybe he does something with them, but I don't see any other fit. I hope he retires. That seems like the logical conclusion there with Eli Manning, but it was fun to see him back on the field one more time for the Giants. Absolutely, and I liked his quote saying, this time away from starting, I realized I don't want to be a backup quarterback, and I don't want to be a coach, which (laughs) I heard as... (laughs) Boy, this quarterback coach is having a tough time coaching up Daniel Jones. You know, (laughs) that Eli hasn't seen that where the guy in the room way younger than him, you know, is going through what Eli went through that rookie year. And and I'm sure he looks at it through the coach's eyes going, man, that's a tough job. This guy has so much to learn. And it also sounds like maybe he's got that fire and, and that's him saying, yeah, maybe I do want to try to play somewhere else next year. Maybe. I just don't know where. Who would say, okay, you're our starter? I just don't – I mean, even like the Bears. I mean, I don't know that he's better than Trubisky even. I mean, one thing I did note last night, though, is I wrote an article uh, for the the Giants SB Nation site about how Daniel Jones – one of the big things they've had problems with is the running game, of course. But he would come to the line of scrimmage, and you'd see nine defenders in the box, and he wouldn't check out of a run. I mean, at least Eli does those things. Right. Right, yeah, and that that's the thing. That's why it's so difficult to go away from a veteran quarterback sometimes because mm-hmm. there's those things that it's just like, it's a lot to put on a young quarterback. But uh, I guess the league will tell Eli what his next move is going to be most likely. I do have, you brought up A.J. Brown, and I want to save this uh, for the other side. We've got a really good statistic okay. here about him and how good he's playing as a rookie wide receiver. The original Casper mattress combines multiple supportive memory foams for a quality sleep surface, with the right amounts of both sink and bounce, get $100 towards select mattresses by visiting casper.com slash locked NFL. Again, that's using slash locked NFL at checkout. Terms and conditions apply. If you can't visit Casper right now, you can find this and other offers from Locked On sponsors at lockedonpodcasts.com slash offers. This stat, and there's some really good ones in an article, 
at pff.com from Scott Barrett, who focuses more on the fantasy side of things for pro football focus. But this is an interesting one. And to your point, you talked about how you think A.J. Brown is uh, head and shoulders above the rest as far as the rookie wide receivers go. And these statistics really speak to that, Matt. On Sunday, A.J. Brown caught five of seven targets for 153 yards and two touchdowns among all 71 wide receivers, not rookies, just all wide receivers in the NFL, to see 50 or more targets. Brown ranks third in yards per route run with 2.57 yards per route run, second in passer rating when targeted at 124.5, and he's first in all of the following categories, yards per target, 12.8 yards per target, uh, fantasy points per target, 2.47, missed tackles forced per reception after the catch, yards after contact per reception, so he's averaging five yards after contact per reception, and yards after the catch per reception, 10 yards per catch after the reception, first in the NFL in all of those for guys that have received 50 or more targets. So A.J. Brown is uh, coming into his own and uh, turning into kind of a badass. Very much so, and... I'm not saying he's Julio Jones, but I mean, but he's in that mold, big, physical, give him the ball in space, run over corners, run away from people. I do think he very much has star qualities. I mean, I just went to drafthistory.com and pulled up with the wide receivers. And I mean, he was the fourth receiver taken and the 51st player overall. I mean, he is passing the eyeball test like crazy. It's hard to believe that 50 other guys were drafted ahead of him. That Mississippi situation was kind of odd, though. We talked about Metcalf. Dawson Knox is a player I really like. He only caught a handful of balls his whole time at Mississippi. And mm-hmm. then they had a third guy. I forget who that is. Who that was off the top of my head, too. So it wasn't a great offense, and they had a lot of mouths to feed there. But still, I mean, he's big, strong, fast. I think he's a great player. And Tannehill certainly has helped his cause, too. Right. And for those of you who don't remember, it went Marquise Brown, then was Debo no Debo was third. Who's I got second? it here right in front of me, actually. Okay. Marquise Brown went twenty-fifth. Nikhil Harry went thirty second. Yeah. Debo went thirty-six, which all those guys look fine. I'm not I'm not bashing on them, but then AJ Brown was at fifty one. Hardman was at fifty six with the thought of Tyreek could be suspended or you know, who knows what his future is. Right after it was Arcega Whiteside at fifty seven. Paris Campbell at 59, so there's kind of a run here. Isabella at 62, Metcalf at 64, Deontay Johnson 66, Hurd 67, who I still have hope for, McLaurin at 76, which is a bargain and a half. Right, yeah, so crazy run there on wide receivers. Jalen Hurd hurt his back. He broke his back in the preseason, I think, making a play, uh, running over a defender, and uh, just a stress fracture, and it looks like he's not going to return from IR, so sort of a lost redshirt season for Jalen Hurd, who didn't play a, a lot of wide receiver in the NFL anyway, so we'll see what happens there. The Nikhil Harry, I completely forgot about him, and another one that, that I think the Patriots need to show up if they're going to make a run here. And he's he's done a little bit lately, but um, with, with how well all these other wide receivers have played, I think J.J.R. Sega-Whiteside and Nikhil Harry, the ones that are that are sort of dis- disappointing so far. Yeah, and Harry's injury-related too and takes a long time to acclimate to that offense. I think he's he gets an incomplete grade more than some of these other dudes where Whiteside, the opportunity has just been gaping for him to get on the field and he still can't make an impact. Uh, last little note here, you talked about the receiver run. Between 56 and 67 overall, seven receivers went. <laughs> like, wow. Like, yeah. almost every pick was a receiver. 
And that was the thing with that wide receiver class. Everybody knew it was really deep. And there's there's probably some guys. I mean, Slayton's one of them. There's more guys that went fourth, fifth round that we're going to hear a lot from uh, in the future of the NFL as well. The Ole Miss situation is crazy. You mentioned Dawson Knox, too, the, the tight end playing in Buffalo. He's 14th for rookie pass catchers in uh, receiving yards. But one and two in receiving yards is Metcalf and Brown. And they did not utilize those guys well. And I don't think they coached them up all that well. Brown was 100% lined up in the, in the slot. DK Metcalf was 100% lined up on the left outside. Uh, with that talent and the, the way they used that passing game at Ole Miss was sort of a missed opportunity. Yeah, well said. You know, I mean, it, and I, I don't think the quarterback play was great. Metcalf missed a little time. Um, knocks to not to catch hardly any balls there. I mean, maybe they're not a tight end friendly offense. And I understand you have, you know, three really good receivers, two great ones for the college level, but get him the ball. I mean, holy smokes. Um, lastly, though, we just talked about all these guys that are, you know, that just flooded the league at this position. From what I understand, and you may be on top of this better than me, but next year's receiving class is supposed to be like 2014s. I mean, just mm-hmm. elite, top-end, deep, just tons of receivers come in the league. Yes, absolutely. Demarcus Lodge was the other name at wide receiver at Ole yes. Miss that we couldn't come up with, and I think he went undrafted. Uh, he's an athletic guy and pretty talented, too. But I think that was part of the fall for some of these Ole Miss receivers is they didn't get used great, and it was hard to evaluate them because you only saw each guy doing one thing. And I think if you redrafted them, they might go one and two in the draft with uh, with A.J. Brown and D.K. Metcalf. So very interesting there. Uh, Matt, I think we should Real change. Real quick, guys, yeah. one thing to people, I mentioned that their next year's rookie class is going to be an awful lot of really good ones. We just went over this year's rookie class. But, I mean, now that I have it in front of me, Again, 2018, there wasn't a guy drafted super high, but DJ Moore, Calvin Ridley, Cortland Sutton, Christian Kirk, Anthony Miller, James Washington, DJ Chark, Michael Gallup, all those guys are really coming on in their second year too. So there's a lot of really good young receivers. Absolutely, yeah, an influx of young receivers throughout the league. Um, And this year there's more coming. Jerry Judy. Yeah. Henry Ruggs from Alabama can flat out fly. So maybe a team like the Eagles that needs some speed, that would make some sense. I love C.D. Lamb, who's about 6'3 and can run after the catch. Uh, there's some very good wide receivers. I think we'll see multiple guys. I think we'll see some go even higher than anybody went in the 2019 draft. And uh, there's a lot of good ones. So we'll continue to see that trend for sure. The I don't know how you feel about this story. And it seems to be something that never goes away. The New England Patriots... People are accusing them of spying on folks again. I want to talk about that in just a moment, and uh, maybe we'll tease some more of our coaching conversation next. If you're a Spotify listener, use Spotify Wrapped to show us your top Locked On podcasts for the year. Take a screenshot and tag us at Locked On Live and at BD Peacock or at Williamson NFL on Twitter, and we will share and retweet. So for those of you have, who have not seen this story, uh, I'm sure it's all over the place on television. I have been checked out of the, the TV aside from watching actual football games the last couple of days. But the New England Patriots actually issued a statement about this. And if you don't know the story, it was there was a camera crew that worked for Robert Kraft and the Patriots that were filming at the Bengals, who the Patriots are going to play this week, uh, filming the sideline of the Bengals and focused on, I think they interviewed some people before and then were filming some other stuff. Bill Belichick said it's like, it's this is not has nothing to do with football. It's, uh, you know, a, a team 
video that they're putting together, not something they're going to watch, not something they're going to see. I mean, I think the number one thing that's obvious is like, look, this is <laughs> this is the Bengals we're talking about here. If the Patriots were going to be cheating, they should have a camera crew on the Ravens, right? Not on the Bengals because <laughs> they have no bearing on the, the Patriots season. But the Patriots did issue a statement about this that said, quote, for the past year, the New England Patriots content team has produced a series of behind the scenes features on various departments within the organization. The seven previous, quote, do your job episodes are archived on Patriots.com. The content team sent three-person crew to the Bengals-Browns game at First Energy Stadium in order to capture one part of a longer feature on the Patriots scouting department, in this case, a Patriots pro personnel scout while he was working in the press box. Uh, we accept full, it goes on to say, we accept full responsibility for the actions of our production crew at the Browns-Bengals game unknowingly violated a league policy by filming the field and sideline from the press box. So they did something wrong, but Matt, it doesn't seem like this is something that the the Patriots are actually trying to use to cheat. Yeah. I'm glad you read that because I've ignored the story the best of my ability because (laughs) I didn't quite understand it. I'm like, I mean, for those that don't know, I mean, at at the Browns Bengals game, there's going to be a cameraman for the Browns on the sideline view a cameraman for the Browns on the end zone view, and then the same for the Bengals filming the game. And I'm sitting there thinking, why on earth would there be a Patriot guy in that department? And then, I mean, for those of you who don't know too, advanced scouting is something that pro scouts do. I did that once or twice with the Browns, where you go look at the upcoming opponents and you give the coaching staff, hey, this is their kickoff team. This is their strengths and weaknesses. It just eliminates some of the legwork of the coaching staff as they prepare for the upcoming opponent. And I'm sitting there thinking, is a scout sitting in the press box with a iPad or a phone or something filming the Bengal sideline? Like, wouldn't people notice that? <laughs> right. So I couldn't figure out the logistics of, like, who's actually filming from the Patriots organization and how on earth would you get away from get away with it? But I guess this story makes sense that if they're doing a do-your-job series on – one of their on the pro scouting department, you would show them in action, jotting down, you know, from left, you know, all the kickoff coverages, the personal protectors, all the pro stuff that he would do in the game leading up to the Patriots opponent. So I guess that makes sense. But like, I have a hard time believing that organization, after getting busted for what they did or and accused that every eye in the world wouldn't be on the Patriot staff, the Patriot dude walking around with a giant camera. You know, like, I, I can't buy that. And to your point, to prepare for the Bengals? <laughs> I mean, like, right. I, I mean, if you're going to cheat, make it, make it worth it. You know, KC week or Baltimore week or, you know, schedule this thing for when you're, you know, when you're previewing the Super Bowl or the AFC Championship week or something. I I, I can't believe that the that the Patriots would try this. And so many things are getting filmed around the league. I get blown away by the access that these camera crews get, and each team has their own little features and mic'd up. And I'm, I'm sure there's some really important information that teams would love to get a hold of when players are mic'd up and, and making calls and making plays and checking to stuff. And there's a lot of information out there that this is probably untapped. And if you are the Patriots, 
this would be the genius excuse to use if you were trying to cheat with some of this stuff, right? So, um, obviously, I don't think this necessarily is, but the fact that it's the Patriots and it's another filming thing, it makes this a big story. I don't think it's a huge story, but uh, interestingly, I think it's something we had to talk about really quick. Right, and maybe I'm naive too, but, I mean, if I filmed... If I sat in the press box, or I had any access I want, I get any angle I want with the best camera in the world, and I filmed the Bengals' sidelines, I mean, I could get a little bit of information out of that, but, I mean, game-changing information? I don't know. I mean, don't they change their audibles and things like that, too? Mm-hmm. I mean, I like your point about the mic'd up things, and I always think of that, too. Like, Russell Wilson was mic'd up the other night. Like, he's saying stuff that people can use. Right. <laughs> you know I mean, he's a quarterback, mm-hmm. or Keekly or Wagner, or a guy like that. You could learn stuff for sure. I mean, if the wide receiver's out there yelling and he wants the ball, that's a little different. Let's talk about the Patriots really quick. And I think we're almost due for uh, a Matt Williamson power rankings as well. And I think they might have fallen in some other power rankings I've seen. It's really hard to get a grasp on how good this New England Patriots team is. They jumped out to the 8-0 start on the season. And, you know, I think there's some regression for both the 49ers and the Patriots defenses because of some of the opponents they had, even though they're really good on that side of the ball. The, the numbers were even skewed more because of they were just dominating teams on that side of the ball. But the Patriots have beaten a combined total of one team with a winning record right now. No, two. I'm sorry. There was the Bills and the Steelers. Bills. Steelers week one, they beat 33-3. They beat the Bills by 4.16 to 10. Uh, some of the other wins that looked pretty good were the Browns, the Eagles, the Cowboys. Those teams obviously sputtering. I think they had winning records at the time that at least the Cowboys might have. But they've lost to the Chiefs, Texans, and Ravens. And those are the playoff teams that they might have to play. I'm trying to figure out where the Patriots are because I believe they're good, but I don't know how good they are. Yeah, and they're not as good on special teams as they usually are, particularly a kicker. And I always say that. I mean, it's not like something that's not something that people talk about a lot, but I bet Belichick is losing his mind over the kicker situation when he needs a big one in, you know, January. I think, like you said, the defense is still I kind of look at the Niners, Steelers, probably Bills, Patriots as the best defenses in the league, but I don't think one is heads above the other or transcendent like we thought maybe the Patriots were through the first eight, nine weeks of the year when their defensive stats were just remarkable. I mean, they were scoring more points than they were allowing when the opponent had the ball. I mean, stuff like that is just insane. So it's a good, very, it's a very good defense. It's a very versatile defense. It's a very Belichickian man coverage, adapt to your surroundings defense. And they put the clamps on the Chiefs in the second half of that game, which can't be overlooked and allowed the Patriots to get back in it. The offense, though, I don't say it's bad. I mean, there's bad offenses out there. It's in the bottom third, though, I think. You know, I mean, they their blocking is average at best. They've had real center problems, which is a huge problem in protecting up the middle where Brady hates pressure. You know, I mean, like, like Kansas City put Chris Jones right over the center. You know, that that's a big problem. You know, if you're that weak, it's center position and their run game is pretty much non-existent. Sony Michelle is a very pedestrian back. In my opinion, the receivers are Welker white and a bunch of dudes that don't separate or don't know where to go. 
I think Brady's remarkably frustrated in terms of separation, in terms of receivers doing their job, being where they need to be. I, I heard a, a really good way of you know, the defending the Patriots that you'll never confuse Brady, but if you can confuse the other 10, you it's the same effect. <laughs> you know, if they're not where they're supposed to be. Right. The people are throwing a lot at this offense. It's a complex McDaniel's offense with like a phone book type, you know, um, play sheet because they just keep adding to it and adding to a playbook year after year. And Brady's now not Superman that he can make everything better. And I think he's declining, but slower. He's not falling off a cliff, but he's declining. So I don't know that it gets a heck of a lot better on offense. But they're going to win 12 or 13 games. Right, yeah, exactly. And no problem (laughs) cruising into the playoffs. They'll have a bye, I'm sure. I was asked this question. We can end with this because we have just a a minute or two. I was asked this question on the Locked On 49ers program, and it was a hard one to answer. Someone asked if you would rather have Tom Brady or Jimmy Garoppolo right now. And I was thinking long-term, obviously, the youth of Garoppolo, he'll be playing for a while. I love what I've seen from the development of Garoppolo. Obviously, he had his best game of his career in that Saints just epic contest last week, which is super fun to watch. But if you were trying to play a game tomorrow, I don't know that I will still wouldn't take Brady just because he's Tom Brady, but that's a lot closer gap than it used to be. Good good point. I mean, I think think Belichick would trade you Brady for Jimmy, you know, and that's because... Mm -hmm the longevity and all that. I think Jimmy, if you threw him in the Patriots offense would struggle every bit as much as Brady, if not more because Brady's getting by on his guile and his smarts. And uh, you know, Jimmy doesn't have as much of that. If you put Brady in the Niners offense, I think that would be remarkable. (laughs) I mean, just, you wouldn't have to do much. He could hand the ball off like crazy orchestrate things once he understood the Shanahan system. But I think Jimmy's the better player maybe right now. So everything I said kind of goes against that last statement because if you flopped them, I think they would both favor Brady. But I I think Brady's the better player still. You know, And if they were to meet in the Super Bowl, where would you put the check mark in the quarterback column? It would have to be with the guy that's been there, done it, and has you know a lot of jewelry. And who knows, maybe we'll see that baton get passed in February. That's a really interesting one. And one thing's clear, though, I think Jimmy Garoppolo spins it better than Brady does these yes. days. And youth is definitely on Garoppolo's side, and he is trending in the right direction. Yes. And I was going to say, I'd throw Brissett in that conversation, but he's still third. I'm just thinking about mm-hmm. other former Patriot right. quarterbacks, you know, but he's young, and I still like him a lot, too. But, um, yeah, I mean, Brady... A year from now, we might be like, it's not even close. Who knows? It might be an Eli conversation. A lot to come this week. Locked on NFL. We're out of time today. We're going to talk with Ross Jackson of Locked on Saints. And Matt, I think we should get into this conversation and do our official Coach of the Year power rankings. And then maybe next week, do the NFL power rankings again. Yeah, and that might tie into coaches on the hot seat conversation too. Maybe we'll have a a couple coach segments in general because I think there's a couple that are pretty darn close to foregone conclusions of getting canned. We'll talk to you then right here, Locked on NFL.